What's up, guys? Hey, if you're here in Dallas, I just want to uh, thank you for your patience in putting up with the parking. And uh, man, we got an amazing parking team out there, though, man. Can we give those guys a hand? If you're not here in Dallas, you're in Fort Worth or Houston or El Paso or Tulsa or somewhere else tuning in around the world, we want to welcome you. And so uh, thank you for being a part of this movement. Thank you for believing in the gospel in your city, uh, for wanting to learn from God's word in your city and changing the world with us. And so that's what we're here to do. And so I'm always encouraged when I come out here and I see all of you because uh, when I was in college and there after college, I was not uh, walking with God. And, uh, you know, I wanted to just pursue all the things in the world. And so that's where I was. I wouldn't have been here, uh, candidly. And, um, and so I'm glad that you guys are. And so as a part of that story, uh, one time when I was in college, I got arrested. A true story. It wasn't not, not anything great. Not, not, a, not that getting arrested is great under any circumstances. <laughs> but not a super cool story. I was just drunk, okay? And so uh, public intoxication evidently is against the law. And uh, so a police officer comes uh, wants to give me a breathalyzer, I, I say no, and he throws me in the back of his uh, sedan, and so with some hardware, with some bracelets. And so we, he takes me to the jail, and like as hard as I thought I was, and just like, you know, confident as I thought I was, uh, I was scared. It's not fun to go to a jail. And so they, they like take you through this process, you know, mug shots, the whole deal, put you in a cell. I get to share a cell. My new roommate speaks no English whatsoever. And uh, so I don't know if he's a serial killer or what he's in there for. You know, that was the first one. I'm like, so what did you do? And he can't communicate back to me. And so I'm like, that is unfortunate. And so you stay over there, I'll stay over here. And, uh, and it was cold and it was gray and dark and everything. And so then the, this police officer comes over to me uh, with the keys and everything, unlocks the door, slides the door open and says, come on. And I'm like, that's it, I'm out, you know, let's go. And he goes, no, no, you, you gotta make a phone call. You get to make a phone call. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a real thing? It is a real thing, by the way. And so he's like, you get to make a phone call. And I'm like, who, I, I'm telling this officer, I'm like, who am I gonna call? I'm not, I'm good, like, I'll pass. Give my phone call to him. And, uh, and, and he goes, no, he goes, you need to, you, you need to make a phone call. I said, sir, who am I going to call? And he says, you need to call your dad. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good, man. <laughs> I was like, I'll call your dad, <laughs> you know. I'm not calling my dad. Like, why? I'm not going to call my dad. You know, what are you talking about? And so let's just push pause right there for just a second, okay? And so you, you feel the circumstance. You understand the situation. Why didn't I want to call my dad? Now, you just think about that for a moment, like everything that's going on right there. Like, why did I not want to call my dad? And you could think of the list of reasons. You could come up with the real list of things. I'm thinking, man, he's going to be so disappointed in me. Like, I don't want to deal with that. He's going to be discouraged. I don't want to call my dad and get an earful. You did what? I can't believe this. You know, I told you that. I just... I don't want to do that, right? And then I'm thinking, man, my dad, he's, he's dealing with other things. He doesn't have time to handle this situation. And then I'm thinking, my dad doesn't even know how to handle this situation. Like, what's he going to do? You know, he doesn't have a lot of money. Like, I don't know how he's going to, he's not going to post bond or bail or whatever. Like, I, he, why, why would I call him? There, there's not anything that he's going to do. In fact, he's just going to do what he wants to do anyways, right? These are the things going through my mind. And then I'm thinking, you know what, I can handle this. Like, I, you know what? I can keep this from them. They don't ever have to know that I was in here. 
We don't have to talk about it. I don't have to deal with it. I can handle it. And so for those reasons, I didn't want to go to my father. And as you think about that, I think these are the same reasons we don't want to go to our father. Okay, I don't know what your day looked like today. If you're here, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. If you are, if you, if you trust in Christ, you identify as a Christian. Okay, you call yourself a Christ follower. What that means is that a part of your day today was spent communing with God, talking with God, uh, uh, conversing with God. You spent some extended time in prayer, both all the time, all your different circumstances, and then probably at some point in your, your day, you stepped away and said, hey, God, it's just me and you. I want to talk to you. And if you didn't, you need to ask yourself why. Why? And why would you assume that you're a Christ follower? Why would you assume that you have a relationship with God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, you have access to him, and you didn't take advantage of that today? And if you start to wonder, like, why you didn't, and I'm going to ask you, why didn't you? I think you're going to come up with a really similar list, man. I just, you know, I don't know. I've done some things. God, he's going to be disappointed in me. He just feels far right now. I mean, does he even care? And he's got bigger things. I mean, there's children dying today and people starving, and I'm not going to come to him with my little stuff. And isn't he just going to do what he wants to do anyways? Like, why would I pray? Isn't he just going to, to do his thing? And you know what? I think I can handle this stuff. I got it under control. And in fact, I asked you on, on social media, I just pinged you guys out there and just said, hey, why don't we pray? Why, don't, why doesn't young adults pray? Why don't young adults pray? And, and you guys had some great responses. Thank you for that. And so on Twitter and Facebook and, and, uh, and the social media I'm a part of, you said that list and you added to it two other things. You said because we're busy and because we don't know how. And so let's just talk about that. We're in this series talking about the remnant. Let me define the remnant for you really clearly. The remnant just means God's people. And so we're talking about what God's people do, how, they, how we stand apart in this world, how we're not a part of this world, we stand in contrast to this world, and what marks the remnant, what marks God's people. God's people talk to God. Simply put, the remnant are people who pray. If you're part of the remnant, something that's normal to your life, is that you converse, you have the privilege of conversing with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And here's what I need you to know. This is so important. Lean in. If you miss everything else tonight, I want you to hear this. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. And he's eager to talk to you. He wants to converse with you. He wants you, this is crazy what I'm about to say, you ready? He wants you to ask him for stuff. Anything that is spinning around in your heart and your mind, he wants you to go to him with. He wants to hear about it. He wants you to talk with him. He desires that. The scripture says this so many times in so many different ways, over and over and over. And I think you're right when you say we don't know how. 
we don't know how. We, we, we're so weird about prayer. We brought all this baggage in with us. I don't know what your church background is, but like we just, we're like, hey, I'm going to do it, you know. Dear God, like I'm writing a letter, you know, dear God. And we, say, we just say silly things. Like, why do we do that? And some of the things that we say aren't silly, but we don't know why we say them. We use the word bless, which means to make happy, right? Lord, bless this food. Make it cheerful. Make it happy food. And bless the hands that prepared it. Make them happy hands, you know? <laughs> and maybe you, you, you pray to saints, Somebody told me the other day, a friend of ours was sick, and, and they just said, hey, I'm sending thoughts your way. As a Christian, I'm sending thoughts your way. What does that mean? <laughs> Stop it, you know? <laughs> Send prayers my way. How about that? I don't need your thoughts. I'll take your prayers, right? And maybe you cross yourself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or at the end, you say, in Jesus' name, which is fine. I'm, that's fine you say that. Do you know why you say that? Why do you say in Jesus' name? Is it just because everyone's always done that? Why do we do what we do? Let's learn how to pray. The remnant prays. If we believe that there's a God who loves you and he's eager to help, I, I think we'd pray more. And I think the reason that we don't pray, the number one reason we don't pray is we have a wrong perspective of God. He's a father who loves us, who's crazy about us and, and desires us to talk to them. And, and with prayer, I want you to know there is only benefit, no cost whatsoever, only benefit to your life. It is one thing, a, a very few things in this world that you can do that has zero downside all upside as you get to talk to the creator of the heavens and the earth. And so as we move through this text in Luke chapter 11, we're gonna look at what is prayer, how we pray, and why we pray before you leave here this evening. Luke wrote this in about 59 AD. He was not one of the apostles. Uh, he researched the, uh, the life of Christ and wrote it down. This is a very well-researched document, the Gospel of Luke. And so in prayer, I could have gone a lot of different places. I could have gone 1 Thessalonians 5, Colossians 4, Philippians 4, James 1, James 4, James 5, Matthew 6, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ephesians 6. But I went here because Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. And he says this. One, it starts off. One day Jesus was praying, so he's modeling it for us in a certain place, which is odd, okay, because he's been with God for eternity past. He is God. He's been with the Father eternity past. But when he was here on this earth, he spent a lot of time talking to the Father. And so that's something to take note. And when he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Also strange, because have you ever seen someone pray and you're like, wow, you're really good at that. Will you teach me how? I mean, it's just not something. You might be like, hey, teach me how to shoot a free throw or, or something, but probably not. Wow, I'm, I'm so amazed at your ability to talk. <laughs> Can you teach me how to do that? And, and so he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Stop right there. He, he says, I want you to address the creator of the heavens and the earth as Father. Just that one word has so much depth and meaning, but then he says, hallowed be your name. And he sets up this dichotomy that God is holy and set apart, that even his name is holy. That's what hallowed means. 
His name is holy, and yet you get to call him Father. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us what we need today. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And so he says, hey, this is how you pray. You pray to the Father, and, and you, you tell him, or you ask him for things. He gives, he forgives, and he helps us. We need to know that, that he gives to us, he forgives us, and he helps us in this world with the problems that we encounter here, namely temptation. And so my first point tonight, what is prayer? We're answering the question, what is prayer? It's accessing God as Father. Prayer is accessing God as Father anytime. You can access him as Father anytime. The remnant accesses God the Creator as their Father, and they can do it anytime they want. Friends, prayer simply put, you're like, I don't know how. If you know how to speak, you know how to pray. If you know how to ask somebody for anything, you know how to pray. You don't have to go somewhere special. You don't have to use particularly careful words. You can just say, hi, God. This is what's going on. I need your help. Can you show me this? Can you give me this? Can you help me understand this? Prayer is asking, it's confessing, it's thanking, and it's worshiping or adoring. You can just stop during the day and say, God, you're amazing. You're, you're so holy. You're set apart, you're sovereign, you're all powerful. You, you amaze me, God. Thank you for bringing the sun up today, God. I'm going to work today. I, in a car, God, it's, it's amazing the way you've blessed me, God. But Jesus says something profound here, guys. He says, you get to call my daddy your daddy. 16 times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father. But all 16 times in the Old Testament, it's like Father of a nation, Father of Israel. It's like a generic kind of like our forefathers, if you will. And then Jesus shows up on the scene, and Jesus calls him Abba. He calls him Daddy. He calls him Father. Over and over, Father, Father, Father. And then he shows up here, and he says, hey, you get to call my dad your dad. He can be your dad. He, it's a very personal thing. And you know why you can do that? Because Jesus allows you to do that. Remember when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn? Now you have access to God anytime. Why? Because he's with you. God's Holy Spirit is with you. Anywhere you go, he's with you. When you sit at your cube, he's with you. Go into your office, he's with you. Into your apartment, he's with you. In the car, God is with you. In the bathroom, God's there too. <laughs> and you can talk to him like he's right there. You ever felt lonely? You're never alone. God is with you. Wherever you go, God is with you. Hebrews 4 says, because Jesus is now our high priest, 
that we, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That Jesus is the mediator. This is what this means. It's like when I'm in that, that jail and I call my dad, you know, and it, the phone's ringing and I'm there nervous because I've done something wrong and I've got to tell him I got arrested. It's like Jesus answers the phone. Hello? Jesus, can I talk to my dad? Hold on a second. Hey, it's your son, and he's innocent, completely blameless, faultless. He hasn't done anything wrong. You remember I erased that. I paid for that. That you literally get to talk to God today as blameless. He doesn't look at you and see the pornography or the abortion or, or the identity in relationships or that you stole or the words you used. That he sees the payment in his son, Jesus Christ. And you get to approach the father as, as a faultless righteous child declared righteous through the son this is crazy this is unbelievable in the gospel this is what it means friends to pray in Jesus's name that's why we add that on the prayer at the end when you say in Jesus's name and you don't have to say it you can pray in the name of Jesus it's because of what Jesus did that you get to talk to the father you go to the father through the son by the spirit and so if you've trusted in Christ, then you get to come to God like a child. Like, not like a child, like his child. And that's different. I was speaking at a camp uh, a couple weeks ago, and I took my son with me. He was out of state, and I took my son with me, and um, they had like someone watching him while I was speaking, and I went long, which is not crazy for me. Sometimes that happens. And, and, uh, and so you know, he got tired of waiting. And, and for some reason, I don't know why, but he thought that I left him. And so he got scared. He's five years old, and he just started crying. He's like, you know, thinking daddy left him, and, and they wouldn't let him come to me. So he, you know, he's, he's pretty quick. And he just kind of made a break for it, and he got away and, uh, and kind of ran across the camp, this five-year-old by himself, and kind of stumbled into the chapel that I was at, and he came in, and they held him back, you know, because I was speaking, and they, they, they're like, hey, you know, somebody's talking in here, and he's like, that's my dad, you know, and, and um, I know it was sad, and, and I, I finished, you know, and then they brought him to me, and they were like, hey, he, you know, he, he wanted you, but we didn't want to interrupt you, and I was like, I'm not angry, but you don't have kids. If he wanted me, I'm done. I'll, I'll let him come. Like, if they need me right now, I'm done. I'm like, Demarv, come Step up, my, my family needs me. At any moment, at any time, regardless the situation, I'm available to my children. And I'm a bad dad. Like, I, you know, I'm a good dad, but I'm a bad dad. I'm a sinful dad. I'm a fallen dad. Your father in heaven, he's a perfect father. Very different than your earthly father. A perfect father. He's so crazy about you. He's crazy about you. He's not disappointed in you. He's, he's thrilled about you. And he just, more than anything he wants, if you know him, if you have a relationship with him, he wants you to get to know him more and to have a relationship with him. And so the remnant approaches the father as his child. Verse five, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. 
a friend of mine, this is the next verse, the literal next verse, so he doesn't finish the Our Father, right? He doesn't, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't say that, he says that in Matthew 6, but the reason he doesn't say that here is because Jesus isn't telling us what to say. He, he's not saying, hey, use these words. He's saying, hey, this is how you approach the Father, with this spirit, with this attitude. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the, the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, Yet, because of your shameless audacity, it says, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Shameless audacity there is the word anadiah in the Greek. It's one word. He's saying, hey, this is why he's going to give it to you. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, find. And to finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This shameless audacity, the, the asking, seeking, finding has to do with your persistence. He's saying you come to God persistently. Now what he's not saying is, like if God has this magic number, and if you ask him this magic number of time, then he's going to give it to you. Like once, once you ask 792 times, he's going to say, okay, <laughs> good, here you go. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that because you believed that he could meet your need, right? you sat there at the door, you're like, I need food, you got food, I'm not going anywhere because I know you have what you need. I know you have what I need, rather. I have faith that you can meet my need. And you're, you're a father, so I'm staying here, Right? And some of you said, hey, the reason I don't pray, my mind wanders. I'm, I'm trying to pray, but my mind drifts. I get distracted. My iPhone beeps. I get a text message that comes in. You know, something happens. Someone interrupts me. This, is, this verse speaks to this, that you sit there and you focus and you fight to hold the thought in your head. Psychologists have now said, even secular psychologists have said that this is good for the human that it is a cure for anxiety, for panic disorder. Um, it's a cure for obsessive compulsive disorder. That it's a cure for depression. They might call it meditation or mindfulness. But that you would sit somewhere and you would fight to hold a thought. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's that you're holding a thought that God is who he is and you're asking for him and you're blocking out the rest of this world. You're putting your phone in the other room. You're making time to prioritize God. And so how we pray in activity and attitude. How we pray, we pray in activity and attitude. The remnant prays in activity and attitude. Right, Jesus says, this is how you pray, and then he prays, and then he, he models the attitude that God can give us our daily bread, that we, we have an attitude of dependence, that we believe that he has what we need, that he can meet our needs. So both in the activity and in the attitude, let me uh, 
explain this with two quotes, actually. The first quote in activity, this comes from Martin Luther. He says, I have so much to do today that I will spend the first three hours in prayer. You see what he's saying? He's saying, I've got so much to do today that I need to start by centering my life with just me and God, spending time with him. This is normal for the believer, for the Christ follower. That, that tomorrow you would set aside time where you don't do anything else but talk to God. Can I tell you something? Test me on this. It will be the single most productive thing you do tomorrow. You will have gotten more done in that 30 minutes or that hour than any other time. Because you, who do you think is more effective? You, little old you, or the creator of the heavens and the earth? So you can do it on your own, or you can invite the creator of the heavens and the earth, all-powerful God, who says, call me Father to partner with you. Now the problem is we don't believe that. It's the most productive thing that you will do. The most important thing that you will do is talking to God tomorrow. And so set time aside to talk to God. And then the attitude, so that's activity, the attitude Here's a quote, I, I rarely pray for 20 minutes, but I rarely go 20 minutes without praying. That it's this attitude of dependence that constantly I'm talking to God. I, I know that I can trust him, that he knows better than me. I believe that you can meet my need, God, so I'm, I'm, I'm remaining persistent. Even as I go about my day, I'm constantly talking to you with an attitude of dependence. You guys imagine, like, whatever, like, your boss comes in, leaves, you're frustrated, you're just like, you go to God, God, Lord, help me to respond in the spirit. Relationship doesn't go as, well, Lord, help me to date in a way that honors you, protect me from myself, remove this from my life if it's bad for me. And Father, my heart hurts right now because of what happened, will you help me heal? God, I wanna do this this weekend, is that good, is that smart? I don't want to do anything outside your will. I mean, my flesh, I really want to, but I don't know if you want me to. And I get the sense that you don't want me to, but I really, really want to. But if you don't want me to, please don't let me, okay? It's okay. You can handle that kind of stuff. You can talk to him just like that. You should talk to him just like that all the time. That that would be normal for your life. And so Jesus, he did both of these, the attitude and the activity. He would pray all the time. We see that in the Gospels. But he would also have long prayers. Luke 5, verse 16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and, and prayed. And so you guys told me that one of the reasons you don't pray is because you're too busy. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy, period. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. Like, you have to change something because life only gets busier I promise you there's not a person in the room who is going to disagree with me with, on that statement later it only gets busier so you have to right now when you're 18 when you're 22 when you're 23 when you're 35 you have to prioritize prayer right now if you don't you will not later and if we don't pray we're taking God for granted listen prayer you got to hear me like Prayer works. Like prayer works. I've heard it said that when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. It, it, prayer is, it's effective. The scripture even says it's powerful and effective. Praying in the will of God is a really powerful thing, maybe the most powerful thing in your life. I was in uh, 
Disney World with another uh, child recently. I told you about it several weeks ago. So my daughter and I got to go to Disney World and and uh, we went to Animal Kingdom and there's a ride there in, in Pandora, which is like Avatar Land. It's pretty amazing. And, uh, and there's a ride there called uh, The Flight of the Avatar. And I heard it's incredible. And I wanted to go. Anybody been The Flight of the Avatar? Okay, good. Yeah, you gotta know it's awesome. And, um, and so they told me, my, people who know Disney World said, hey, you gotta get there right when it opens and race to that ride if you want any hopes of riding it. And and, uh, and so we did that. We got there at 9 a.m. when the park opened, gates opened. We ran to the ride. It's now 9.01, and I'm walking up, and the line is four hours. Four hours at 9.01. Are you serious? And so I'm there, and I'm like, we are not going to spend half our day in this line. I don't care how awesome it is. And my daughter, Finley, she just, she's, and I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm praying that we would have a fast pass to this ride. Fast pass. <laughs> You know, it's a thing at Disney. You can just like go right on the ride. But I'm like, baby girl, we don't have a fast pass because, you know, daddies that really love their children got on the app early and I didn't, you know. And, um, and I'm like, we don't have a fast pass, uh, sweetie. I'm, I'm sorry. And, and she goes, well, that's why I'm praying that we do, you know. And, uh, and I go, okay, well, let's go, let's go see what else there is. She goes, no, no, let's go see if we have a fast pass. I'm like, but I'm telling you, we don't. And I walk up there, the guy there in the fast pass booth, you, you put your little bracelet on there, and, and it, you know, if you have a fast pass, it turns green. I put my little bracelet up there to that Mickey, and it turned red. <laughs> and I'm like, I told you, no fast pass. And the guy there that was manning the booth said, is it just the two of you? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, go ahead. And I said, what? Are you ahead? <laughs> and I said, it's a four-hour line. He goes, go, go ahead. And Finley's like, I told you. <laughs> and I was just like, are you serious? Are you serious? So we, we go, and I mean, it was amazing. We waited, you know, four minutes for that ride. It was incredible. And, uh, and it's, it's, I mean, God, it's, I was just like, God, how amazing are you? You care. He cares for you, too. He loves you. He cares about silly things. And I understand all the thoughts that invade your mind right now. If he cares about that, what about this? I get it. I get it. You know, but he cares. That's what you need to know. And, and that same little girl, two days later, comes into my bedroom at night, tears running down her face, saying, Daddy, I prayed that I wouldn't have bad dreams. I prayed that I wouldn't have bad dreams. And I, and I keep having them. Doesn't God care? Why doesn't he care? She made the same mistake that we made. Same mistake that I'm tempted to make. God, don't you care? You see me down here? This goes south. Don't, don't you care? Yes. He cares. There are a lot of reasons he may not answer your prayer. But it's not because he doesn't care. He cares. He came here in the form of Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life and died the death that you deserve for you to pay for your sins so that you could commune with him. 
And you say, well, why doesn't he answer my prayer? I don't know why. I don't know. But one day you will. Okay, and can, I, can we just look backwards for just a moment? Like, let's just, for a moment, can I tell you something? Like, like my desires in life have changed. Has yours ever changed? Like, I can remember when my sister got married, and, and you know, I was 16, and my, my brother-in-law, my now new brother-in-law asked me, he's like, hey, what kind of car, if you could have any car for the rest of your life, what would you want? He said, if you could have any car for the rest of your life, what would you want? I said, oh, man, that's easy. I want uh, an Isuzu Amigo on Dayton's with hydraulics for the rest of my life. <laughs> you guys, uh, dream, you're like, what are Dayton's? Those are Dayton's. With a candy paint. That was also what I said, with candy paint. I said, oh, do I drive that for the rest of my life, right? Can't wait. We think we got another one. If you want to see it, just a ride. It's a thing. It's a thing, yeah. Some of you stop judging me, okay? Jeez, wow. So many crazy faces. That's what I wanted, right? Now, call me crazy, but that's not really my dream car anymore. You're like, why was it then? Because I was a straight up gangster, that's why. <laughs> and, and so, you know, our desires change. Let me just go one more with you, okay? If I may. So, I was actually in my hometown this past week, and while I'm there, I, I happened to run into my ex girlfriend. Wasn't awkward as all, you know? I'm like, hey, how you doing? You look good. I mean, you don't look good. I mean, I mean, okay, whatever. What am I doing with my hands right now, you know? And um, I was like, it's good to see you. And, and so, and, and bye. And so anyways. And I, I just think, because here's the deal, because she broke up with me. Yeah. And it hurt. It hurt real bad. I can remember how bad, it, I can remember going to God, tears streaming down my face, God, please change your heart. Please bring her back. Lord, would you supernaturally make her love me, okay? See, past all my flaws, right? And I, you know, thank God, as they say, for unanswered prayers. That would have been a disaster. I look at my kids today, my amazing wife today, like, I wanted her more than I wanted anything in life at one moment. And I'm begging God, don't you care? And he's like, dude, I got, yes, I care. I don't know if he says dude, but he, he says I care. <laughs> right? He's like, yes, I care. I mean, thank God for unanswered prayers. No offense, Kelly. <laughs> I changed her name. That's not her real name. But I think you're going to get up there. And I think God's going to be like, why didn't you ask me more? Why didn't you ask me more? Like, was I not clear you could ask me for anything? James 4 verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. <laughs> you do not have because you do not Ask God. He's like, there's things that God wants to give you that he's waiting for you to ask for. It Like, that's amazing. And that if we asked, he'd give them to us. That seems to be what that verse says. I don't, I don't want to have bad theology, but it seems 
clear there. And so here's what I know is I can ask God for whatever I want while I can seek what he wants. And that as I stand at that door and I knock, he's going to, his Holy Spirit at work in my life is going to change my desires to his desires. Ultimately, I can keep asking and keep asking and keep asking and and he will work in my life to show me what he wants of me. And that as I ask in that process, there's two results. One is he's going to give me what I'm asking for or two, he's going to ultimately change what I'm asking for to match what he desires for me. And I'm not preaching prosperity gospel right now, which is wicked. God is not a genie, you know, that you can command to do or obligate to do anything that you want. He's a loving father that desires to give you what you need most. He is a loving father. Father that desires to give you what you need most. And when you ask of him, you can trust him. And so our attitude in prayer is dependence while our activity of prayer is intentional. And the power is not in the one who asks, but the one who answers. He has the power. Verse 11, which of you fathers, Jesus says, now he's talking to them, he's like, hey, you guys are dads, you got children. Which of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so why we pray, third point, why we pray? Because we know who answers. We pray because we know who answers. The remnant knows the one who answers our prayers. And so if you have a high view of God, he's so holy and mighty and uninterruptible, you have a wrong view of God. He is holy and omnipotent and all-powerful and he loves you and he comes to you and he's moving towards you and he, he desires you to talk with him like you talk to anybody. He wants a relationship with you. Zephaniah 3, verse 17, the Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And this is fulfilled in Christ, this prophecy. It's fulfilled in Christ. I, I love my kids. And I hate watching them struggle with something when I can help them and they don't ask me. I'm like, sometimes I'm here, I'm like, why don't you ask me? God's not trying to give you snakes and scorpions. One time when Weston, before he could talk when he was younger, uh, we were eating at, at Matito's, which is a Mexican restaurant here in, in Dallas. And um, I remember like, trying the hot sauce, you know, and, and um, we're kind of hot sauce people, salsa people. That's a big thing in our home. And, and I told my wife, I'm like, hey, it's really hot today. I'm like, wow. They like broke out the ghost pepper or something. Like, this stuff is hot. And I'm like patting my forehead, like, whoa, it's hot. And, um, and my son, he's right there in his high chair, and he's like, uh, uh, because he couldn't talk. He's like, uh, uh, you know, give me some of that stuff that you're eating, the red stuff, the bright red stuff. Give it to me. And I, and I move it back. And you know what he's thinking, right? He's like, how wicked are you? Like, I'm right here. I want that. And you're going to move it away from me while you enjoy it? Like, what's your problem? 
And like how wicked of, uh, would I have had to been if I was just like, oh, you want this? Okay, we'll see how bad you want this. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> right? We'll see. But, but he's confused. From his perspective, it just looks like I'm holding something back from me. And, and right now, you, you're thinking, yeah, yeah, that's fine for your son, but what about my mom with cancer? What about the breakup? What about that sickness? What about the loss of the loved one? What about that job, JP? That's different than your silly hot sauce story. I don't know. But can I tell you something from my son's perspective? It looks the same. He just sees a dad who's supposed to love him holding something back from him while I enjoy it. That's all he sees. And he's confused. And I know you're confused. And, and all I know to tell you, 100% certain of it, you can trust God. I've had a mom with cancer. I've lost loved ones. I've had hardships. And I choose to trust that the Father is good and he desires to give me good. And, and trusting that has served me really, really well since I've been a Christ follower. And I commend you to try it. I commend you to do it. And so you might be like, why ask God if he knows anyways? Can I answer that? Because he wants you to. He likes it. He enjoys you asking him. Like, like who doesn't love to give people things that they ask for? Like when someone comes to you and they're like, I really, really want this. And you're like, oh, I could give you that. Here you go. Like, that's God. Like, he can do that. He enjoys you asking him. The scriptures make that really clear. And so, the answer of our prayers is a loving father who knows best what we need. Let me just give you three applications real quick. One is from a book I, I, I read called A Praying Life. I commend it to you. It's an incredible book. Uh, it's called A Praying Life. You're going to email me later. What was the name of that book? A Praying Life is the name of that book. And uh, in it, one of the things it recommends is, is not so much a prayer journal, but these prayer cards. And this has really been effective for my life. And so, you know, as I struggle to pay attention during prayer, you just write out a card. I have one for Monica, one for every child, uh, one for the ministry, one for friends that I work with, one for myself, for my career, for my ministry. And, and it just has a verse on it that uh, is, is a verse that I pray over each one of those people. It changes depending on who the person is and what the situation is. And it just has like one, two, or three prayer requests with it. And so here's the one for the porch, right? And the verse up top is Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 19. And I just pray, Lord, would you strengthen them with your Holy Spirit? I pray that Christ would dwell in their hearts. Now, I pray that they would understand the love of Christ deep within them. That all comes straight from that verse, that you would be used by God. And I pray that he would use you to change the world. That the, the young adults are listening, that you're not just consumers, that you don't just love it because it's good worship or you know, it makes you feel good, chicken soup for the soul, shot in the arm, but that you'd leave here and you would put into practice. Could you imagine what would happen to the world if everyone left here and prayed daily, regularly, in activity and attitude? You would literally change the world. Jesus may come back the moment that happens, okay? What if we did that? The second thing, application I'd give you is this week, and you can do this right now, schedule a time to pray. Maybe tomorrow, find some extended time for you to go to a place without your phone, without distractions, and just pray and fight to focus. You stand at that door and you knock. 
fight to focus 20 minutes, 30 minutes, two hours, whatever is the right number for you, what you have, spend some time alone praying. And then one thing that's helped me is, is I cut off my radio and I pray out loud. It, that really helps me focus is just pray out loud in the car audibly. And you can try that tomorrow. Just when you get in a car, cut off your radio or cut it off tonight so that when you get in tomorrow, you remember, oh, it's off, so I'm going to pray. All right? And so in summary, Jesus gives us the authority to approach the Father anytime. And we approach him in prayer with an attitude of dependence and the intentional activity. And we know, thirdly, the one answering is our Father who loves us and knows what is best and has the power to bring it about. So I, I remember being in that cell, that, that guy came and he pulled open that door and he said, you gotta make a phone call. And I remember that dialogue like it was yesterday. I'm like, I don't wanna call my dad. And he's, this officer is ministering to me in the moment. He's like, hey, son, you need to call your father. And I remember calling my dad. I remember sitting there on this end of the phone and it ringing and just being so nervous at what was about to happen. And he answered the phone. Sometimes my mom would answer the phone, but this time he answered the phone. Hello? I said, Dad? Yeah. I'm in jail. Well, we need to get you out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when, how can I get you out? And I just remember thinking, man, I wish I'd have known that's how he was going to respond. It's like a loving father. Hey, what do I need to drive there? How much do I need to pay? Do I need to sell something? What do I need to do? I'm going to get you out. The father did this for you through the gospel, his son Jesus Christ. You were stuck in your sin in a prison. And if you're wondering if he loves you, he said, what do I need to do to get you out? To pry your life out of the grip of the enemy. What must I pay? Should I give him my Weston? For you, because I'll do it. And he did it. He loves you that much. He's crazy about you. And so you know what we're gonna do? It's, it's late. We got a few more minutes. We're going to pray. If you're at another campus, your worship leaders are going to come up as I pray. And I want you guys to spend just a few minutes wherever you're at in prayer. Here in Dallas, I want you to stay right where you're at. And I want you to focus your mind on prayer. You, you may write it out on your phone. If you do, you might turn your phone on airplane mode first. For some of you, this is going to be the most uncomfortable three minutes of your life because you haven't talked to the Father in a long time. But I want you to fight to do that right now, to hold your attention, to not think about anything else but a conversation with the Creator. And if you don't have a relationship with the Creator, start just like this. I'm just gonna give you three things to hit on. Start with, God, I have sinned against you. I have gone my own way but I know you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for my sins and you raised him from the dead. Lord, would you give me your Holy Spirit and lead me the rest of my life? Confess your sins. 
acknowledge Christ's payment and ask for his Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that you are a good God to us. You're an amazing God to us. You're a Father who loves us. You're no longer counting our sins against us. There's no condemnation for us. You sent your son Jesus to pay for our sins. I don't even know what that was like to watch him die for my sins, for my addictions, and my foolishness. But God, you raised him from the dead. Wow. Lord, would you help my friends to fix their hearts and minds on you and just to let their native language flow in their minds in a conversation with you? Would you help them hold their attention towards you, God? Would you do that now? 